The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level. With Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 48, since a lot of us haven't been sleeping so well, since the days of the week blur one to the next, and day 10 of this podcast. I've been thinking about all the people who have either medical or psychiatric conditions that make this time of social distancing and staying at home even more complex. Today, my guest is Esme Weijin Wang, novelist and essayist, author most recently of The Collected Schizophrenias. She is one of our most eloquent and astute chroniclers of mental illness. Esme, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. It's great to have you with me. I began this podcast really in large part because we can't gather and we can't be together. And there's just this feeling, I think, of some solace that I feel when we connect and when we feel like we can somehow be with each other, even though we can't physically be with each other right now. So... I'd love to begin by asking you to paint a picture for everybody listening of where you are right now. You know, invite us into your home. Where are you sitting? What do you see? Is there a window? What are you looking at? And and is anybody at home with you, people and animals? Sure. So um, the interesting thing is I'm in the room and in the bed where I spent a number of years when I wasn't going anywhere anyway because I was pretty sick. This is the guest room, which is also my office, which is also what I called my sick room. It's a nice space, uh, although I tend to associate it with sickness or with being ill. Mm. Um, I try to decorate it with a lot of nice things. There are photographs of uh, various groups of people um, with whom I had won awards and there are beautiful pieces of art. Um, there's a painting I bought 
from the artist who did the cover of my first book. There is a little um, signboard upon which I have put um, all of this, make art in the face of it. There are many bookshelves because I seem to always be running out of room for books. And there are uh, lots of knickknacks because I am a, a person who collects a lot of knickknacks. That sounds a lot like my office too. Um, <laughs> it really does. Let's talk about this make art in the face of it. That's, um, I think, something that a lot of people who are artists um, or are in a position of making things, making anything, um, entrepreneurs, anyone who tries to make something out of nothing on a daily basis, the face of it means different things at different times, right? I mean, right now, mm -hmm. we are all in the face of something. And are you making art? Are you writing? Well, the funny thing is, I need that signboard before the pandemic was really a big concern in the United States. I think it was it was an issue in China, and I think my family in Taiwan was dealing with it, but I think it wasn't quite as big of a deal as it obviously is now in the United States. I, I first saw it um, when Cal Morgan, um, the editor at Riverhead, and my editor at Riverhead shared it on Twitter, and I think he got it from Lydia Yuknovich. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually don't remember to what he was referring when he first said it, but it caught my attention. And so I put it on that signboard. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems that as the year has been progressing, it only seems to become more and more relevant. So I've just left it there. And not that I've just been stuck at home. I just look at it all the time and it seems to be more meaningful. I have a book due at the end of the year. In terms of my productivity, which is kind of a touchy subject, I find mm -hmm. when I talk to when I talk to other writers or other artists or people who make things as a job, I feel that it kind of wanes and comes and goes. In the beginning of the shelter in place, California was one of the first places that, that issued the shelter in place. And I began sheltering in place before the official edict. So uh, I was actually pretty productive in the beginning. And uh, I was reading a lot. I finished rereading Anna Karenina. I uh, wrote every day. Mm -hmm. um, I sent new pages to my agent. Um, and then I went through this period where I just couldn't focus. And I wasn't writing a lot. I was having a lot of nightmares. Um, my PTSD was flaring up. And now I'm just kind of using back into doing work. Just yesterday, I I took my daily writing goal down from 500 words a day to 250 words a day. Mm -hmm. And that felt like the right thing to do. That so. feels like self-care, actually, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in, yeah. In, in getting ready to talk to you, I was going back through your Twitter feed and there was this tweet that really struck me and you wrote, this is a trauma. Uh, I've talked to some other people on here about this, particularly people with a complex PTSD diagnosis. In the beginning, I was calm, but now the trauma has worked its way in. And I think that that's a little bit of what you're, you know, what you're talking about. And I was wondering, mm -hmm. you know, I find myself thinking so much about people who have complicating factors um, during this period of time, people who 
are physically ill, people who have cancer, people who need surgery, uh, people who are sheltering in place with those who they don't necessarily get along with, just all sorts of human dramas playing out against the backdrop of this pandemic. And, you know, and I wonder for you, I mean, you wrote this extraordinary essay collection called The Collected Schizophrenias, and you you write in, in those essays about your struggles with um, schizoaffective disorder. I mean, what what has it been like during this period of time for you and for people that you're talking with who might also struggle? Yeah. Um, so I know that a lot of people are kind of entering this period with mental health issues. And those mental health issues range from depression and anxiety um, to post-traumatic stress disorder to psychotic disorders. Um, to I know a lot. I have a lot of friends with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, this obsession with germs and hand washing and um, compulsive checking has really um, been challenging because we're being told to wash our hands all the time and to wipe down our groceries and to do these things that were previously thought of as excessive behaviors but are now considered to be uh, useful and helpful behaviors. So I think it's a challenging time for for people who are dealing with these things. I To refer back to that tweet that you were talking about, you know, in the beginning, my nightmares, um, I have, I tend to have these screaming nightmares where I, I wake up screaming and my spouse has to call me down in the middle of the night or wake me up in the middle of the night. Those had really calmed down when the pandemic was starting. Then they really roared back and I was really dealing with those. And so I've been talking to my therapist and really uh, in my last call with her, she was actually warning me about how my PTSD was actually manifesting as dissociation, which tends to become a warning sign of psychosis for me. So that's something that I'm having to deal with. And then there are things that are not mental health related that are kind of identity related. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the issue of being Asian American, people who especially look East Asian are experiencing an uptick in hate crimes, outwardly expressed uh, hatred. I've had friends who are afraid to leave the house in the beginning when we were not necessarily told to wear masks, but my East Asian friends were, were wanting to wear masks because they knew that in China and in East Asian countries, wearing masks was very common. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to wear masks, but were afraid that they would be beaten up or, you know, something worse might happen to them. And then I know that you had mentioned to me before we had this call, we were talking about uh, these auto-playing videos that were showing up on social media. Mm-hmm. And that's a kind of trauma too. Um, and and I've known about this too because of the videos that would show up when violence was perpetrated against Black Americans, particularly by police, you know, during Ferguson and uh, the events afterward. Mm-hmm. You would constantly be scrolling down your feed and then you would see some kind of violent action. 
to clarify for listeners, an auto-playing video is something that you basically have no control over as you're looking down a Twitter feed. Suddenly there it is and you're just seeing it. You don't click on a link. You haven't asked to see it. You're just seeing it. And if you're triggered by it, there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, exactly. Or even if you, there used to be this option where you would choose to not have the video play automatically, but you would still see the frozen image. Or if it's not a video that's automatically playing, you might see a thumbnail of an image mm-hmm. from an article and it would be some kind of horrible image. So I saw, I believe it was the Burmese family that was attacked uh, in Texas. Mm. And there were these images of this, I believe, child slit from ear to ear. And it it was, it just popped up in mm-hmm. my feet. Mm-hmm. And it was this incredibly graphic image. And I found myself shaking and I could not, it, it really triggered my trauma response. And, but what I was really speaking about when I tweeted about it and was saying like, please, if you want to share these things, like put it behind a link or, you know, make a thread or do something where people don't just see it um, without consent was the video of an East Asian woman who was in Brooklyn and somebody came by and threw acid at her Mm -hmm. while she was taking out the garbage. And all of these instances of hate crimes, which are in some part linked to calling it the Chinese virus and um, the anger and scapegoating and fear and wanting to blame it on somebody and all of it is just frightening. And I've had friends who are being spit on when they go out or just called nasty names, which is not the same as having acid thrown on them, but uh, it's still frightening. Frightening. And also one of the things that you're doing is calling attention to it and educating people. And, you know, really by saying when you post something like this, you may think that it's helpful, but it's also, it can be enormously um, traumatizing to people Mm -hmm. because there's a helplessness as well. Um, I think that so many of us are feeling, and I'm just thinking, you know, you're sheltered in place and you're hearing these stories from friends and from people who are out there. And um, I mean, the feeling I get listening to you is helplessness, you know, of of Mm -hmm. my own helplessness in the face of such virulent hate and racism and misunderstanding. For sure. So what's helping now? What's helping, you know, is there anything that you're doing uh, from day to day that is bringing you hope or comfort? Yeah. So there are things that bring me hope and comfort on kind of a very personal level in terms of reading Tolstoy, uh, a public space. And Yan Lee started this project called uh, Hashtag Tolstoy Together, where this group of people, or just like anybody can can participate, but really it was to start reading War and Peace um, at the beginning of the quarantine or the shelter in place. And uh, there's something very grounding about reading War and Peace. And I'd never read it before, but in reading it, I find that it's a relief in some ways to to be reminded that the arc of history is long and that people have been through 
a lot. Humans have been through a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's a good reminder. In terms of things that bring me a little bit of comfort is doing things that I find helpful or that I realize are helpful, such as, you know, making calls, making calls to public officials, sending faxes, um, making donations. You know, I'll, I'll have some money here and there that I'll donate to GoFundMes. I mean, I find it so, I mean, it's, it's so dystopian that GoFundMes have become such a source of funding for people Mm -hmm. in today's society. But if I have some money that I am not using for groceries or whatever, I'll donate to to somebody who needs it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's always a GoFundMe. (laughs) You can always... You can can count on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can always find a GoFundMe. Um, Or to donate to an organization or, you know, somebody who is gathering money to help pay for various people's rents and things like that. That helps me feel like I'm doing a little thing Mm. um, that can help somebody. Doing things like calling people has been really helpful. Um, I've never been a millennial who was afraid of the phone, but I really like going through my contacts and calling my friends. You know, for me, like making phone calls is no longer a I'm going to text this person Mm -hmm. and ask, like, can we call at this particular time? I just start calling people. (laughs) I have just been calling people. And if they don't pick up, then we don't talk. Mm -hmm. But if they pick up, you know, then we'll have a conversation. Yeah. And it's nice to have that connection every day or like every few days. I'll go through my contacts and go like, who will I call today? Absolutely. That's how this podcast came about in in a way. (laughs) That was the the feeling for me of what is making me feel grounded and connected. What it is, is is hearing from people about their lives and, and what's happening and breaking through, you know, with that kind of transparency and how is it for you today? That kind of feeling. Yes. This is such a wonderful conversation. It just <laughs> flew by. Yeah. I Thank really, you so much for calling yeah, me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was just good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice, too. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this, 909 713 8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.